This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. Had some blood work done. This are you are you always amazed, Christian? That you must have so much blood in your body because you know it's for my physical. And so, you know, once a year they do take more than just uh, one tube, you know. And they fill those tubes up and they have that little, it looks like wax or something in the bottom of them. And they fill like four or five of those tubes up and you think, um, shouldn't I just be unconscious now? But I guess you have a lot of blood in your body, right? Hey, sidekick. Not me. I give most of it to the Lugosi estate. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Lestat, <laughs> do you have a medical card? No, but I hope you do. Nobody gives two fucks about Bella. So what are we doing today, Christian? Uh, when's our guest? We have uh, a gentleman from, uh, what, his name's John Nolte, right? Yeah, we know John Nolte from Breitbart. Yeah, super smart guy from Breitbart. Yeah, nice man. Uh, yeah, we're going to get his thoughts on a few different things, uh, including Kamala Fever taking the country by storm. I found out you pronounce it Carmelo. Wait, as in so Carmelo Biden picked Anthony. Carmelo Anthony as his running? Yes, he did. Because, He's got my vote uh, now. Quite frankly, there's no defense for Joe Biden. <laughs> Carmelo. <laughs> I still think my flash on Carmelo is not. Uh, let's see. It used to be winning as a freshman at Syracuse, and then. Uh, it always the, the he plays the worst defense I've ever seen. Hey, maybe he's gotten better now that he's on his way out, or that his wife uh, Cha Cha or whatever her name is is bigger than him. So, um, but uh, him sucker punching the guy from behind in the fight in the guard it's like the, the for a cat who has, is supposed to have bona fides. It was the least street move I've ever seen. I mean, it was a flat out. It was, it was such a pussy punch that it, it, you could feel your wrist getting hurt. You know, he had to, like, cuff his wrist around and come at him completely from behind. He didn't want any peripheral exposure uh, from the guy that might see it coming. So he literally had to do senior wences with the hand puppet and come around. Boom. <laughs> Mellow. So uh, I don't know a whole lot of... Uh, the, the little I know... Is it funny that... I don't know a lot about her because I, I, I just shut her off. She's one of those people who so fake to me. I, I, it's like Gore. I couldn't follow Gore the last few years of his career when he started talking uh, Baptist talk to, to the black folks in the church. And it was just embarrassing. You know, <laughs> when they start faking conviviality or glibness, or, and she just seems so fake to me. But I, I think that's all that matters in contemporary politics uh, on the liberal side is that you have to master that, oh, there's somebody I kind of know, point, and a big smile and two thumbs up. You know, the Clintons were brilliant at that. They were always just recognizing people. Oh, look who it is. Oh, look who it is. 
and she's got that though. <laughs> but she seems like a massive bullshit artist. But who knows? The country's full of shit now, so who knows what'll happen? Yeah, you, you you can't convince me that neither of these guys could win. Christian, you're big on her, aren't you? Yeah, I, I would say uh, I'm a bit of a of a fanboy. Sure. Well, Trump. Uh, I think Trump has done some stuff for the uh, black community. I, I think when she was the Attorney General of California, the piper that needed paid then was the Law and Order piper, and therefore a lot of pot busts and stuff like that. People seeing jail time for pot. Uh, if we lived in a world that wasn't insane. They would notice that a lot of that's been walked back by Trump through this First Step Act, which isn't everybody's cup of tea on the right. But um, it makes sense to me on these stupid pot bus. And that's not to say I don't think pot can fuck your entire life up. Can't. I think, uh, you know, it's not like the old days when you had, uh, you know, a bag of oregano or something like that. Or you'd smoke 15 joints. You know, you, you, you take a hit on the wrong joint today and uh well end up doing a podcast <laughs> so we'll talk to john nolte about uh, camilla harris i also think it's uh, i i know politics is complete bs and he won't have to answer for anything and all that and certainly the uh the debate her insinuating you can tell she was insinuating he was a racist because she started the sentence by saying i'm not insinuating you're a racist I mean, does anybody not see what, what we've done now? It is so Orwellian. George Orwell is <laughs> one of the greatest geniuses who ever lived. I mean, and uh, by the way, if you, I've got a little hard copy here of Down and Out in London and Paris by Orwell. It's just brilliant. Uh, it's before he writes the opus, and uh, but he's living the opus in some ways. He's so broke that at some point he he would go into a buffet and request they strap a rat cage on his face because he needed some protein. But uh, it's a brilliant book, and obviously, nineteen eighty four. As you look at it, it's just he's an absolute genius. The kind of scripting of the language and stuff like that, and here we are. Uh, you can get away with it just by saying, I'm not insinuating you're a racist. And then you insinuate they're a racist. And then you can go back for this big covering fire. But she brought up busing and she told that rhapsodic story about I was that little girl. And I, as it turns out, I don't I don't uh, know all that much about that. Uh, I, I was not keeping as much tabs on history at that point and that. But I, I always thought that... When I'd read stories about people being bust uh, from the black community, I thought, is that what they want? I Don't they want good schools in their community? So when she pitched it like it was, uh, you know, the halcyon days, I remember thinking, well, I don't know about that, but certainly she's insinuating Biden is racist. You know, certainly Biden has said so many things over the years that uh, I don't think he's a racist. I, I think he's an old, oh, what are they called, an old boy, you know, or a redneck or... He he just sees blacks and so he's sort of like uh, got that out. Eh, no, that's good not old true. Boy. Yeah, good old boy. And uh, you know he says he does believe they're very deliverable, but I you know I I don't think that's a big problem with the black community. It seems to me they they understand that that uh, you know on a, a, a somebody like Obama ninety five are going to vote. He's a black guy. I would have voted for a black guy if I was a black guy. 
Uh, Hillary, the antithesis of a black guy, but she's faked a couple. I've been to the, you know, so she can get 90. Uh, but Biden, like I said, Biden could do one of these, uh, what are you, a junkie? Are you a addict, a coke addict? Um, if you aren't voting for me, you're not black. He's He could do one of those a day, and he's still getting 85. That's where I think the black community loses some of its cachet, uh, the ability to influence these things. They're, they've made themselves uh, in the minds of guys like Biden so predictable. So there you have it. So, but then again, I look at her, I look around me and I see so many people unhappy with the choices we have and the world of blacks, uh, black Americans, very happy. They, they love the Democrats. They're going to go that way. And anytime you can get 85 at your very worst, 85 of a hundred of a group of people to go a certain way, you just have to look at it. You know, I'm one of those people just the proofs in the pudding. I go, I guess they, that's what they want. And 90, can you imagine getting 90 to 95 votes out of a hundred in any other group no and I, I think they have a little more clout the groups who don't do that but i'm not getting if anything cultural appropriation in that i'm i i'm not in the business of telling uh black people what to do i'm just happy that they have their their dream team and we'll i'd be see. shocked I, if he got 90 percent within the biden family you know that would surprise me well that would surprise me but not in the black community no <laughs> You're talking two different things there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, I, I think if you had 10 Biden family members, uh, he'd get eight, and the other two would say, are you kidding me? Have you seen him at Thanksgiving? He's got more drool down his front than, uh, you know, a summer redstone on a windy day. I love wow. all these shots of Sumner towards the end with dribble on his thing. Jesus. Supposedly, allegedly, still harassing women uh, late in his life. So, uh, still harassing them. The, the, the person who's putting the uh, the preservative <laughs> in him right now. Yeah. Just pinch the ass of the person at the you know who's doing makeup on the uh, Copley Plaza hands. <laughs> as as Nelson Rockefeller died. <laughs> With a smile on his face underneath Megan Marshak. Obviously, uh, only two could, ha only one could hang on the Copley Plaza <laughs> um, window frame as the fire roared, and it was, uh, well, it was not the uh, other person in the room. <laughs> but as he gets hand makeup put on today, I'm sure the hand comes alive for one last uh, rigor mortis thing. And uh, pinches the ass of the, the woman who's applying the noxema. But, um, yeah, so like I said, I'm happy that black people have their their candidates and, uh, and they will show up um, to do the right thing. I, I don't I don't understand it. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not black. I'm not part of the community. I don't understand it. Uh, I, I think that uh, what uh, Trump did with the First Step Act was pretty impressive. And these opportunity zones, I even see guys, true true believers like Van Jones conceding some turf to him. But I think Van Jones better watch that or he'll be good. Can you imagine? Because when, when the word goes forth that you're Uncle Tom, it goes forth uh, like a guillotine blade coming down. So if I was Van Jones, I'd put a sock in that. But anyway, uh, we've got our, our foursome, uh, and, and there's still some variables that could happen there, I think. You know, maybe they have a tacit agreement with the 
Kamala Harris that she see that's the interesting thing I'd like to talk to if I gave a shit I'd like to talk to some uh, historical person I'd like to talk to Charlemagne no I'd like to talk to uh Somebody who would tell me if at this point now Biden has to be replaced pre-office uh, assumption, the, does it have to be the VP or can somebody slide into that one slot, say an older woman? And Kamala Harris could be vouchsafed for her shot in eight years when the timing would be maybe she'd be a little more avuncular than less phony just due to you, you, you tend to be sick of yourself for being full of shit into your 50s. So we'll see. Uh, I, I don't quite know, though, if it has to be her sliding up into the one slot, even if it's before the election, because I'm still still not convinced Biden that, you know, he could have, as I've often said, you should watch a movie tonight. It's a pretty great movie. Yeah, a little preachy, a little too liberal, but fun. Uh, the Seduction of Joe Tynan, T-Y-N-A-N, Alan Aldez, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington type, who gets a little sucked in by a beautiful young lobbyist played by Merle Streep. Melvin Douglas plays an old foghorn leghorn. I said, sir, I said, sir, a uh, senator who uh, rules the school. And then at the end, over whiskeys in the uh, in his office, uh, goes off on some crazy screed about those people, blah, blah, you know, all that, where they know he's nuts in an instant and it's over. He's over. And I am not unconvinced that that can't happen to Biden. Uh, but certainly no debates. Listen, if if you hear they're having Joe Biden participate in a debate, you'll know that's how they're going to do him. They don't believe in him. Uh, they don't think he's capable of that. Don't misread that where you go. Oh, they're going to let Biden debate. He must have it more together than I thought. No, no. That's it. That, that's the long knife. That's a two brute. That's when the, <laughs> the shiv goes into the spleen and that's how they're going to do him. They're going to let him wander. And then, uh, you know, they won't have to put him down. So Kamala Harris, we'll talk to John Nolte about it a little later. What else is up in the world, Christian? What are we doing on the show today? What, what's Well, I will tell you that uh, Mr. Nolte is with us. So that's what's happening. Well, let's talk to Jumpin' John. He's over at uh, Breitbart. And he is a brave cat, a great writer. And boy, does he uh, he's had it. I can tell it's like that. Uh, it's like the Jennifer Lopez film enough, because John uh, occasionally will just uh, let you know that he has had it with his craziness, as I have. I've got a different. We got down to the same junction box, and I said, I don't think this is fixable. John's still in there swinging from the heels. From Breitbart, John Nolte. How are you, John? I'm good, Dennis. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Great to be back. Yeah. Um, well, what do you make of the what do you make of the pick? Tell me about. It. I don't quite understand it. Do you? I think it's. Uh, you know, I hate to sound like a cable news pundit, so forgive me for just half a second. I do think that the main goal of a VP pick is to do more good than harm, and I do think it's kind of counterintuitive. I think, but I do think it's a it's a better choice that does more good than harm in a couple of ways she, it's a historic pick and the base likes that she's very left wing the base likes that biden knows he needs to get the base out but there's sort of a bank shot in there because even though it hurt her in the primary she she has a reputation now as a very tough district attorney and i think that in this crime wave that we're seeing 
that's going to help inoculate uh, Biden a little bit. So I think Biden was think well, not Biden. I shouldn't say Biden because Biden's just eating oatmeal and watching Matlock. But his campaign, <laughs> they 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 saw that. Plus, she's very charismatic, um, and that matters in the television age of the presidency. On the negative side, I think she's literally dumb. I mean, her IQ. I just don't think she's a very smart person. They can't fix that, but the coronavirus is going to allow them to hide her more than usual. Um, she's not very composed. I think one of the biggest problems she had during the primaries is that she's kind of goofy. She loses her composure easily. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a problem for America as much as it is for Biden, but she's also unbelievably, cravenly uh, ambitious. And she just strikes me as the kind of vice president who's going to hide in the dark and jump jump out at Biden and scream boo. Yeah. Hoping she could stroke him out. That would worry me a little bit if I were him. <laughs> I think the first time he tries to send her to the uh, funeral of a minor foreign dignitary, she's going to say, no, no, I'll stay here and wait for your funeral, Joe. I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to be out of town when you snuff. <laughs> There's only one funeral I'm attending. <laughs> We're talking to John Nolte from Breitbart. You know, obviously, uh, it, it, it's a completely foolish game board they play on. So her doing the saccharine busing story, and uh, like I said, it's it's classic Orwell, the, the conscription of the language. When somebody starts a sentence now with, I'm not insinuating you're a racist, the rest of the right. sentence is, I'm insinuating you're a racist. But that one's in the, the fog of war, as they say now. I'm sure he can shirk that one. A little less... Uh, she believed the woman who said that uh, Biden grabbed her by the genitals, and uh, she said she believed her. And how do, how do they navigate that one? Any ideas? They're going to navigate that because the media is going to allow them to navigate it. And no one who's going to ask Kamala Harris about that, well, they'll probably ask her about it because they know the campaign will have an answer to clean it up. Right. Or at least to clean it up well enough. But no one's going to press her on it. Because you can see what the Biden campaign is doing is they're using the coronavirus as an excuse to hide him. They're hiding him effectively. He's he's winning right now, so he's just going to hug the ball. So they're not going to put Kamala Harris in a situation where someone's going to ask her a question. The media is entirely too dedicated to beating Trump. They are shamelessly dedicated to beating Trump. So it's not going to be a problem for her because it's they're never going to ask her about it. At least not. They're not going to press her on it. I should say they'll let her clean it up, and then she'll give a terrible answer, and they'll just move on, claiming it's old news. Well, I know it's become as reflexive in our times uh, to listen to the polls for the people who are winning as don't listen to the polls for the people who are behind. I get that. I've seen people's change in midstream, but when when the numbers change, but I, I would have to say I do think just from my life, and I'm sure you must know this, that there there are a lot of people who would not answer a pollster in the affirmative about Donald Trump. So I, I really this time when they say the margin of error is they usually say three or four points. 
I, I honestly think there's a 10 point margin of error here. I don't think they're, I think they, they put lead weights on the Democratic uh, side of it anyway. Most of the times you hear the polls, they go, well, it's, uh, they, they ask more Democrats. And I always think that's weird, but uh, I think it's more weighted this time because I do know I, in my life, I have people say, do you think I'd ever tell a pollster that I believe in this guy? Uh, no. Yeah, I just, I always, I always wonder how many of those people there are who, I, mean, I don't understand the downside of telling a pollster the truth. To be honest with you, this is a true story. You're going to think I'm making this up. But back in 2016, I had a landline. So I used to get a lot of calls because I was in North Carolina, which is a swing state. And I would always answer the same way that I was a 21 year old black woman who was supporting Trump. Always. <laughs> Why would someone be afraid? to tell a pollster how they're going to vote. I, I think Lois Lerner. Listen, you get a lot of whack calls now. You get whack calls from people who want to sell you things. You get robo You know, you get a bunch of – I get weird calls all the time, not about politics even, just about uh, – not quite uh, I'm a Nigerian prince, but, you know, there's a lot of frat <laughs> dab out there. When somebody calls up and says, I'm a pollster, I don't immediately fall to the floor and go, oh, my God, the Nielsen people finally called me or something. I just think, <laughs> all right, where do we go from here? What do you want? And then usually I go, oh, I just keep that to myself. Because uh, and uh, I it's like I would not give out my vote in the same way they condition you not to give out your social security number to anybody on the phone. And I have two words that explain it. Lois Lerner. I mean, that is pretty mind boggling to me. She's skated. But I think a lot of people clock the fact that if you applied for tax free, uh, you know, uh, nonprofit status and had the name Patriot. They had an algorithm, uh, which I don't understand all that stuff, although it has Al Gore in it, so I don't trust it. It kicks out <laughs> your name and all of a sudden you're prone to an audit. I, I think that a lot of people say, whoa, 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 they are keeping too much monitoring on me. So I, I, I got to say, that's the best. That's the best reasoning for that thinking that I've heard yet. That's that, 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 that makes sense to me. That makes sense. You're right. You're right. Cause everything is an algorithm now and you never know. And people are getting doxxed. They're getting terrorized. So, so yeah, that, that's a good answer. Uh, well, geez. Thank you, Johnny. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased when as somebody who I obviously knows more about it than me sees this, sees my side of it. This episode is brought to you by fracture. One of my new favorite advertisers didn't understand the product at first. They sent me one. You'll dig it. Fracture turns your digital images into beautiful glass prints. That's right. They print your photos directly on glass, transforming your memories into handcrafted frameless prints. And by frameless, I mean really sharp, clean lines. Every time you watch a uh, design show, they go, what are you looking for? They go, clean lines. And the delineation on this is like uh, an infinity pour, one of those TV sets that pixels all the way out to the, what is it? In, on old maps, when they'd get to the end of the map, they'd put, there be dragons. <laughs> well, this is clearly delineated. It fills up the entire frame, and the fracture prints are great. Fracture helps you focus on the moments that matter most by turning your favorite memories into beautiful glass prints. Fracture prints directly on durable glass with soft edges for safe handling. Prints come in multiple sizes, no frame required, and each print comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. If for any reason you do not love 
And I do mean love your print for actual Make It Right. Glass prints also make unique gifts your friends and family will never forget. I've got my logo here sitting in my office. I put it on when I do Dennis Miller Plus One, and it's over my shoulder if you want to get a glimpse at what these things look like. And mine is fab. Fracture prints look incredible. You really need to see them to believe it. Upload your photo. How easy can they make this at FractureMe.com slash Miller? FractureMe.com slash Miller to print your photo on glass today. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Getting close. I don't want the other shows to hear they're so covetous. So very, very covetous. When you visit FractureMe.com slash Miller and enter the promo code Miller, you'll get 20% off your order. One-fifth off right there. Bang. No questions. Act. That's FractureMe.com slash Miller. Enter promo code Miller to save 20% off your Fracture glass print. And we thank our friends at Fracture for sponsoring this podcast. And we're talking to John Nolte from Breitbart, and uh, John's an absolutely great writer over here. He's also editor-at-large, Breitbart.com, and he's on Twitter, at Nolte, N-O-L-T-E-N-C, you know what you're uh you know you have to put a photo up on twitter i would get nick nolte's uh dui photo (laughs) and put photoshop your face into the middle of (laughs) (laughs) that mugshot i'm still not sure biden makes it across the finish line even with a pandemic even with uh, all the things that they can use to hide him uh i don't know if i, I was saying before you came on john and uh, i don't want to be too explained in detail like i did there but there's a great movie the seduction of joe tynan have you ever seen it i have yeah, and where Melvin Douglas at the end just blows up, and he's gone. He goes from avuncular to Mad King George in the space of a second, and I, I they're going to have to expose Biden a little more, and I'm not unconvinced. As I watch him yesterday, have to read off a script to announce who his soulmate is. <laughs> he's still not going to step in the biggest pile of shit imaginable between now and uh, October. I I think the hope. There, there, there are two things that, that, two ways that I look at this. I don't think there's any question that Biden, who was never the brightest bulb in the chandelier, is obviously losing it. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm not saying that as a, as for any other reason that I believe it's true. I'm not being partisan. But I also worry that there's so much talk about this, and there's so much talk about this from the Trump campaign, and they're hanging their hat on this. I also worry that if Biden can make it out of the debates without cutting off uh, uh, Trump's tie with the scissors and calling him mommy, <laughs> that he's going to walk out of there. <laughs> um. You know, it's the expectations game. And I, that, that worries me a lot. Yeah, but I, I used to believe that about Biden in the past. Uh, I always, but I always thought he was a bit of a phony. But to me, he was harmless. He's like the third guy in a car on a Sonic commercial, you know, popping up in the back seat with the tater tots. But now he's seriously uh, addled. I think. I think something yeah. unfortunate could happen in a debate. I'm not even sure they can have him debate because, uh, well, you know, he always does that. It, it's funny. The last time I saw the great Michael Crichton, we had dinner and watched the Palin biden debate 
And I remember Michael looking at me halfway through and he said, you realize he's uh, really stupid and that she knows she has more in the ball than him and she's not Madame Curie. He said, but the, the fact is he's so he's such a backslapper and such a uh, uh, say, 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 you know, Tammany Hall bullshit artist that he kind of pulls it off. I don't think he has that tool anymore. I think that tool looks crazy coming out of him right now. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. But he did he did survive those debates just last year. So I wonder now one on one. I know it's going to be one on one with Trump, and I know the one on one with Bernie doesn't count because that was just another backslap fest. But um, I think there's I, I don't think we've ever seen a political campaign, a presidential campaign, where as much is going to ride on the debates. And and what frustrates me, what worries me, I should say, is that. You know, if Biden pulls it off, it's it's all on him. All he's got to do is walk out of there without collapsing. And I think uh, I think that's it. it you know, I don't he, think he can do it. Honest to God, you know, I, I, I don't, don't think he could do it. I think if he had debated Jill right now in front of a Zoom screen, he'd, come, he'd end up looking daft, and she has his best interests at heart. I, I really, he, he looks seriously addled to me. Uh, like yeah. uh, like they might have to cancel it that day and say, he's, you know, if he doesn't catch the bi right biorhythm wave, you know, this guy could come in full bore, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and they, they really can't have that, I don't think. Let me ask you this, John. I don't know. I'm not a Larry Sabato or anything like that, so I don't know the parliamentary procedure on this. But at this point, now that he's picked a veep, if he does have to split, does she ascend immediately, or can they bring Hillary in from the bullpen? I think they could still bring Hillary in because she's she's not been nominated officially yet. And even if she's nominated, it'll only be for vice president. So we're still very much in anything can happen territory. I don't think she is automatically ushered in until it becomes a constitutional thing, until she's until she is vice president. Mm -hmm. um, is it, would, would it not be ironic in the time of although the, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, it seems to be so shrieking at cacophonous at this point, they can't really hear any fact-based stuff. I'm intrigued that uh, Biden kind of pushes mandatory minimums out of harbor ages ago. Uh, it's probably used as a uh, Buford Pusser stick <laughs> more than anybody in the AG thing on a state level than Kamala Harris. And, uh, and, and then Trump comes in and gets rid of it with the first step back to a large degree. I mean, it's not a, it, it, and I know some people on the right don't like the first step back, but you're looking at that circle of life there and you're thinking, is anybody going to notice that, that yeah. Kamala Harris was worse on pot offenders in that than Trump was? And, and I and I I liked the first I liked the uh, criminal justice reform he signed. I'm a I'm a big believer in um, when it comes to nonviolent criminals, and I'm not just talking about uh, uh, convicted on nonviolence, but you know if it wasn't pled down, I think I, I think what he did is a good thing. I do too. But yeah, it's it's just one of those things where the media is going to protect Biden. It's going to protect Kamala Harris. And it's going to be up to Trump to be able to break through and get that message out. And, you know, he's not been very sharp over the summer yet. He's better now. He's had a much better couple of weeks, but his campaign has not been all that hot in getting their message out. And that's another thing that has me worried even more than the polls is, 
I don't think Trump is as good of a campaigner in 2020 as he was in 2016. And a lot of this is on him because the media is much more against him than it was even four years ago. Yeah, it's tough to repeat, man, in any sport. And I view politics as blood sport. And I think uh, great teams tend to focus, let's say, in the NFL. You get up and you're six and four at the 10 game mark. And I think then guys get their eyes on the prize. I I think in the world we live a 24-7 news cycle. I still think 83 days out, quite frankly, is an eternity. (laughs) And I'm hoping hoping Trump has it together for the last two months where he's just, uh, you know, uh, in a complete zone. I certainly understand where he might be exhausted. What a rat fuck they've put him through. These people make Donald Segretti look like a, you know, a a secret service guard for Trump. And uh, he's probably a little exhausted, I, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, imagine you go into the new year, the economy's on fire, the Democrats are a mess, they're moving far to the left, and then all of a sudden the the virus hits. And what did the virus do? do? It took away Trump's two strengths, his economy and his ability to get out there in these rallies and, and move the public and move public opinion and control the conversation. And then the riots come. And I cannot, I, you know, for a while there, I thought when things were going so bad a couple of months ago with Trump, I thought maybe he just decided I want to go back to my life. He had a great, he's a billionaire married yeah. to a supermodel. I mean, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? And, and I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't have blamed him at all. But yeah, I can't imagine he must just, the frustration, the exhaustion, uh, to have these 24-7 hate campaigns coming yeah. at him from every well. major news media. I just, the guy is, the guy's incredible. I would, I would have walked away by now. Um, I agree with you, John. I've said that on the on this podcast too, where I think, hey, God bless him. He he took a run at it. It's uh, it's an edifice that cannot be broached. And he said, screw this. I'm going to go back from taking the copter to the jet to the copter where I land to the limo to the best restaurant, home to Melania, hit the rack, get up and do it again. You guys figure this yep. out. Going to wake up next to my supermodel, and I'm going <laughs> to. Enjoy. I'm 73 years old. I mean, I just, I just can't imagine. God bless the guy. We're yeah. lucky to have him. And uh, somewhere along the line, the Baron is going to end up the next Porzingis in the low post for the Knicks, making millions, and he'll take care of the old man because uh, Baron Trump now seven foot two. He's like Minute Bowl if we were an albino. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to Jumpin' Johnny Nolte editor-at-large, Breitbart.com, and he also, you can be find him on Twitter, and I encourage you to. Uh, a very witty cat, and then when he gets to cases, man, uh, a very agile intellect, at NoltyNC on Twitter. What about Gettysburg, man? Yeah, I remember once a woman left me. I lived in Pittsburgh, and I was all fucked up. It was, I was pretty young, late teens, maybe, and uh, I drove to Gettysburg and spent a rainy weekend there, and it was the most, uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, uh, I must have a little bit of Poe with the black dog came to visit in me, because to think that I've gone to get my spirits up to a rainy battlefield, and it's worked, <laughs> tells me that I am, I am a grim, <laughs> at this point in my life at least, I'm grim. I am fascinated that they say Trump's going there to appeal to the uh, the, con- the Confederacy. I, doesn't anybody over there read a history book and just realize that's where the whole thing pivoted? 
Yeah, you don't, you, you know, with the media nowadays, you don't know if they're lying or if they're ignorant. And I think you could put your money on both. I don't think they care. But to compare Gettysburg to 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 uh, to, to white supremacy, it's like comparing Midway to J- Japanese imperialism or Normandy to Nazism, just because the Japanese and the Nazis happen to be there. It's just idiocy. I mean, uh, it's a total coincidence. But two weeks ago today, Dennis, my wife and I were at Gettysburg. We spent five days there. That's great. And we just spent five days learning and touring, and we spent most of it on our own. And we walked, I walked uh, Pickett's Charge, and you just learn about what happened. And it's, it has nothing to, and I, and I reject the notion that the Confederacy itself has anything to do with white supremacy. I think people just need to read a book. But the knee jerk reaction is just to lash out and, and and to to attack this president through any audacious lie they can come up with. So he mentions the Civil War. He mentions the very battle in the Civil War that marked the end of the Confederacy. And it can only mean white supremacy. And there's just a there's just this desire out there. And it's not just guys like Rob Reiner. It's it's CNN, it's our media now deliberately looking to mislead us, to make us ignorant. And th- this is a little bit of an aside, but if you want to know how bad things have gotten, I'm sure you remember Shelby Foote from the Civil War, sure. Ken War Series. Yeah, he was the Pliny, Pliny the Elder, the sinew of the whole thing. He was, he was yeah, he was the, really became the voice, the honey drip, Southern voice. Go look at his Wikipedia page. He's a white supremacist now. I mean, that's just how bad things have gotten. Shelby Foote, the guy's gone. He can't defend himself, and he's a white supremacist. And and it's just it's just amazing seeing this happen to the country. It happened so quickly. Yeah. How long before they come for South Carolina and demand to change its name to less North Carolina? <laughs> no, that's coming down the pike. These people are insane. I saw a kid rewrite the lyrics to the night they drove old Dixie down. By the way, folks, the performance of said song at the last waltz, one of the most crazy, invigorating, get you on your feet. It's like Roy Orbison singing, uh, you know, uh, crying, you know, that, that standing uh-huh. ovation where you can't stop but get up. And they're changing the words now. I heard a guy singing some of the lyrics. They're so insipid. It's about... You're not we, joking about that? They no. really changed the lyrics? Oh, well, a guy, Robbie didn't, a, a guy who was singing it uh, on right, the... Right internet changed the lyrics and it's all if we get any more self-flagellative in this culture folks we might as well go to the hajj and get a bicycle chain and just start uh you know doing our own backs like they do because this has gotten absolutely fucking crazy we're talking to john nolte and it's always a good chat johnny life's good you guys good over there life is good i'm semi-retired i got a pretty wife i live in boone north carolina things could not be better Beautiful, my man. Good to talk. Are you all walking around in Fess Parker hats down there? <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I actually am watching Baby Crockett, though. I am watching the reruns. Oh, the the, the flatboat race with Big Jim. Born in the mountaintops of Tennessee. Killed a bear when he was three. And a- I can't. I can't watch. I can't watch regular TV anymore. I just can't do it. <laughs> 
There you go. I'm listening to Radio Classics on Station 148. And, uh, you know, I, I, I too have gone into a time capsule culturally because I need to go to a time that was uh, pre-ironic, let's say. I, I just can't handle the commercials. I, I literally am getting carpal tunnel. I watched the PGA the other day. I, my wrist started to hurt from muting commercials that were overly meaningful about products. It's like Doritos yeah. all of a sudden is Rosa Park. It's crazy what's going on. Yeah, we're a long way from the Frito Bandito. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would get you in stocks in Town Square oh, now. All right, John, good to talk to you, brother. Thank you so much, Dan. It's good to talk to you. Talk down the road. John Nolte, editor-at-large, Breitbart.com, and on Twitter at NolteNC. Christian, talk for a second while I call my son here. He stuck his head in during the interview. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is always a good time to remind everyone that if they would like to get in touch with us, they can give us a call at 866-509-RANT. That's 866-509-7268. And that's the same number. Yes, that's right. The same number that you can use when we're doing our live call-in show Wednesday, September 9th. That'll be at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's 2 p.m. on the uh, East Coast. In uh, Newfoundland, it's 3 o'clock. And let's see, um, Colorado, that's uh, noon. And uh, any other time zones, you can go ahead and uh, figure it out yourself. 866-509-RANT, 866-509-7268. And if you've enjoyed hearing my dulcet tones give you this reminder, you should follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at ChristianDMZ. And if you really like me, you don't get enough of me on this show. I have my own podcast called The Black Cast, which you can find at B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot com. We're coming up on episode 400. I might ask a big special celebrity guest to join us on the show, but stay tuned. I'll come on, but only as a uh, talking to uh, a real guest. Yeah. I want to be no, your no, sidekick. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to get Lovitz on, and then I'll have you uh, ask him a couple questions for me. So I was doing the interview and uh, with John Nolte, and my son stuck his head into the office and made a slight gesture with his hand. I grabbed his hand and his forefinger together, and I I thought, does he want money? What, what is that gesture? Is it a gang sign? And I, I gave him a look like <laughs> palms up, you know, like Biden when they said, what's your middle name? And I gave him that look like... Uh, well, I'm on the air and I pointed at the mic. He walks out angry at me. I'm thinking, oh, what's that about? Oh. So I finally, that's why I just jumped off right now. My wife yeah. calls me. They're picking my car up today for service and I had the key in my pocket. So <laughs> I've had the guy waiting up there for 15 minutes. It's not the end of the world, is it? I mean, if you're that guy, maybe. I wish my son hung in there for a second and just said, we need the key. But yeah. when I looked over and he was rubbing his finger together, I said, well, is, is that a Maximus impression? Uh, <laughs> before a war against the Germanic tribes, he feels the soil. Anywho, that's, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, beautiful. We got this show in about Hopper? Uh, almost. Uh, we need to uh, squeeze in a couple more minutes. And uh, before we uh, dive into the voicemails, I wanted to know if you had seen that uh, yesterday, uh, Sarah Palin offered uh, some nice congratulations and word of advice to uh, Kamala Harris, which uh, I thought was kind of a nice thing for her to do, you know, just sort of like basically giving her a little advice. Like, yeah, I like, I like Sarah Palin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they always say how um, stupid she is. And then this just, this just shows 
uh, how different we are, folks. It, it's it's honest to God. It comes down to stuff like what's your favorite color? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite uh, ice cream flavor? We just have some differences. I looked at Palin and, you know, I don't want to qualify it and say I thought she was, uh, you know, uh, a genius. I, I didn't think that. I don't think that about most people. I don't think that about hardly anybody. Uh, but she, uh, you know, when they point, they say she's the stupidest person. I didn't see that at all. I look at Kamala Harris. I certainly don't see somebody who I think is uh, brighter. She uh, seems more full of shit to me. And uh, I, I guess that's what bothers me sometimes is full of shit affectation passes as genius on the left these days. And I, I don't get that. I don't know anything about Sarah Palin. I met her once at a party and she was nice. I remember she was talking to Valerie Bertinelli, and they seemed like besties. But I think if Valerie Bertinelli went forth into the hinterland and said, I met Sarah Palin, she wasn't that stupid. They'd ruin Valerie Bertinelli, right? So I guess oh, at yeah. some even, point, even Val- worse than Eddie Van Halen did. <laughs> I guess at some point you just listen, I believe there are a lot of people in Hollywood. Uh, not 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 the majority. Uh, I'd still say that it's seventy five to twenty five. But I do think there's a good twenty five that think Trump makes sense, and uh, I think maybe two to three percent of that twenty five, one twelve to eight percent will will say that out loud. Uh, the other people just they realize that it's part of the job description. You don't want it to all be over. These are easy jobs in Hollywood. They're nerf power. You you uh, you can act like a potentate, and you don't have to send young people into battle. So it's all all the trappings of that. It's like a basketball coach when you watch these guys walking the sidelines with eighteen year olds, and you think, oh, for Christ's sake, what are you, George Patton? You, you know, you're running a box and one, lighten up. But uh, I think uh, part of Hollywood, you just go in and they say, here's part of the job description: pick winners, make money, uh, kiss the right ass. And never, ever say you're conservative or Republican. You're over. And some people just make that easy concession. It's just like, yeah, sure, I'm not going to I just won't say it out loud. I'll avoid it. Starting to get a little trickier now because avoidance of it is being decried. And it's like when uh, the chunky uh, girl from, uh, not Friends, Girls, was it called? HBO? She was at some... Yes, uh, my my favorite, Lena Dunham, yeah. uh, one of the people I admire most in this yeah, world. She was at a Met Ball, and uh, Odell Beckham, who I'm no fan of, just didn't even just nodded at her and didn't talk to her, and she did a whole thought crime thing on him. So that's coming down the pike where it's not enough to just shut up and uh, stay out of it. You, you might have to go public. It's like, uh, you know... It, it's the House on American Activities Committee or something. They were always in movies about it. Now they're actually in movies, but on the other side, they're playing the Joe McCarthy. They always played the Walsh guy, have you no shame. And by the way, the Walsh guy ends up as the judge in The Anatomy of Murder, Otto Preminger's. Great film. I, I love that film. Uh, Lee Remick, about as hot as it gets in there. But... Um, they're still doing that UAC film. They've just moved over to the McCarthy, Roy Cohn, Richard Nixon side of the desk in the parts they're playing. So um, 
I I just think that uh, I don't even know how I got off on this riff, but I, I think that in Hollywood, it's a very easy decision. It's not no, but look at me. I come on here every week and fully concede that I'm uh, much more conservative than I am liberal. I'm socially liberal on a few things. I think the tide has turned. I don't think it's worth fighting for anymore. I think something will come historically to turn it around. It's either too violent or too far down the road for me to spend my days musing about because it seems morbid. I've decided to step back and stay out of it to a large degree because I don't think it's winnable right now. I think that Donald Trump might win this next term, but I believe he's the last mail station between a 40 to 50 year period of uh, pretty crazily destructive liberalism in this country. And where does it end up? Probably ends up at, uh, you know, well, where have I been that are my, like Scandinavia. I went on that tour of Scandinavia and you had a lot of guys who were driving me in from the airport or at 57k a year and everything was covered for and you know in sweden and then you go what's with the suicide right and you wonder if getting defanged early on the pad and not having aspiration lapses over into some malaise or you know on we that on a day where you think oh god is it all what's it all about alfie you just off your side i don't quite know i'm just uh guessing there but i did think about it and i thought i wonder if not having the ability to go for it all sort of deadens you on the on the back end and i think it'll be like a scandinavian country i think there'll be more cheating because americans are know how to play angles there's 300 what 50 million of us when i was in scandinavia you know i'd meet four guys named wolf a day and that was it you know occasionally they'd eat some herring and dive into a steamy pool but uh, over here <laughs> Trust me, this is Carnival Barker City, so there's going to be people playing angles out the wazoo. Now, where does that lead down the road? Yeah, I think we'll be bereft, and at some point somebody gets up a Green Mountain Boys. and <laughs> But not right now. That's way down the road. Because at this point in history, I would say uh, <laughs> loading muskets is yet another job Americans won't do. So uh, th that's how I see it. So when I, when I talk about people... Uh, hiding their feelings in Hollywood, I'm 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 guilty too. I don't hide them as much, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not fighting for it anymore. I, I wish everybody well, but uh, I think it's uh, it's happened, and it won't be fixed in my lifetime. So, really, how much do I want to spend during the day standing up and uh, you know getting into uh, uh, brick bat things with the uh, the likes of Barbara Boxers of the world? <laughs> By the way, Boxer, when she stepped out, she left her seat empty for a while. And I remember, I always remember saying, not as empty as when she was in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one final thought on the way out the door, because you're uh, talking about that part of the world. We have a voicemail, voicemail number one, Alex in Amsterdam. Dennis, I know you and millions of our fellow Americans are concerned about how polarized the country is, and no doubt it's going to get worse no matter who wins the election in November. It's possible you might get so fed up you want to leave the country, but where are you going to go? So I wanted to float a potential idea, uh, the Netherlands. Not sure if you're aware, but the Dutch are huge Dennis Miller fans. They all know you. Okay, that's not true, but I'm doing my best to change that. I've started the largest <laughs> Dennis Miller fan club in all of Northeast Holland. It's we have you. seven members. My Dutch wife and myself and the other five don't speak any English yet. But anyway, we're having a second meeting of the fan club next week where we discuss what we call topics we think Dennis would be interested in. Last week we explored why birds blessed with the wonderful gift of flight, use it to go land in a field and eat cow shit. But anyway, we're laying groundwork for you <laughs> that guys. That is a You're joke. Welcome in the Netherlands. 
Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And you know how Americans end up getting stuck in the Netherlands. They go to a breakfast joint and order hash. And the next thing you know, it's like uh, it's like Billy Hayes in Midnight Express. Six years later, you're hooked up to a one film Remember what the dormouse said. Feed your head. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. (laughs) 